The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It's going to be Friday, June 28th, when you guys are listening to Anshu and I. Anshu Khanna, how are you? This evening, as we record on Thursday night, um, not doing too badly, Josh. I know you're fighting a little sickness, so appreciate you doing this. But uh, going pretty good. How about yourself? I mean, Jordan played through the flu game. I think this is <laughs> equally as impressive. Uh, I know you're going through a, quite a significant move. Uh, First-time homeowner, so congratulations, congratulations to you, my friend. Uh, but Thank we're going to power you. through it. I know we're both busy. I know we have a lot going on, but uh, we're not going to leave things. Uh, to be left over, we're going to continue recording this uh-huh. show. The I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, man, I miss Dan, I guess. Uh, yeah, don't uh, we all? Little Smocks here. She's here for it, so that's good. Little Smocks, new digs, is freaking out, so you might hear a lot more of her tonight, but hopefully not too much. I respect it. Uh, so let's let's go through uh, some NBA free agency. That's kind of where we want to start this show here tonight. There's going to be a lot of NBA on this show. So if you're a baseball fan and you're expecting us to talk about what's going on in the majors, we're not going to do that so much this show. So let's get right into it. There's a lot here to come as free agency opens up at the beginning of July. I think it's July 3rd, correct me if I'm wrong, or is it the 6th? It's uh, Sunday, so uh, I believe that's the or they can start meeting on the sixth at at, at six o'clock. Okay, so I, I know that that's, that's coming. Good. I know it's coming up, and there's there's so many big names this off season. We've kind of alluded to this quite a bit. We had a big draft preview on last week's show, uh, but let's let's kind of talk about some of the key pieces that could potentially be moved. One of the most recent things that came up was Kevin Durant declining his player option. He's going to test the free agency market. This is something we've speculated, uh, but do you think this is all smoke and mirrors and he ends up signing uh, a one-and-one or something with the Warriors or maybe a long-term deal, or do you think he's legitimately giving other teams a shot to, to pitch him? Oh, he's. I think he's definitely giving other teams a shot. I thought for sure he would have, coming into this, I thought he would have probably picked up that option, but it sounds like the max deal is out there waiting for him, so... He's going to push the Warriors' hand. At the end of the day, they can pay him the most. They can give him the fifth year. They can give him more money because they retain his bird rights. But, uh, you know, how much trust is there? Has he lost some trust in that Warrior, you know, medical staff? And, you know, what kind of impact will that have on his free agency? This is such a wild offseason, not only because of the great players, but because of the two injuries hanging over the entire, you know, landscape of the NBA. So, I think ultimately he'll look around and he will stay and he may take the full max because, you know, this is a guy coming off an Achilles, you know, and by the way, just because he sends a full max doesn't mean he has to stay with the Warriors for five years. He can demand a trade out of there. We've seen that with multiple teams. We've seen that with his old, you know, his old team with Paul George getting acquired by the Thunder. So, I I mean, I think that, um, you know, that might be the safest bet for him. And it'll be interesting to see if the Warriors do give him that offer. Yeah, you mentioned the injuries. Obviously, Clay Thompson was the other guy who goes down. 
Uh, it sounds like if they're not willing to offer him the max, which it sounded like they were going to heading into free agency, and now there's some speculation that maybe they won't, he's saying that he's more than willing to, to look, check, check out the free agency market to kind of test the waters Boy. if they don't do that. I mean, do you think the Warriors would be silly enough not to do that and potentially lose both of these guys? Oh, my God. I mean – no, I, that would be insane if they did. If they if they didn't offer both of them the max at six oh one p.m. on Sunday night, um, you know they're they're likely to lose both. I, I think that that's like the ultimate slap in the face. Um, you know, Clay Thompson obviously has been a, a really good soldier for them. I would be very surprised if they don't have that offer ready for him. Um, but the other consideration here, Josh, is that you know there's a chance that you know, the offer is there for Clay Thompson, but isn't there for Kevin Durant? Because here's the thing, you know, tying yourself up with both those guys, plus Steph Curry, plus Draymond Green, you're basically locking yourself in. There is no way around it. I mean, you can get guys at the room exception, the middle mid-level exception, but, um, you know, you have to have a lot of confidence that those two injuries aren't going to hamper your future if you're the Warriors and you're going way, way, way into the luxury tax if you do that. So, um, my guess is Clay gets the offer and Kevin Durant actually does leave because I just think that ultimately that's that's kind of the way this whole thing is trending. Wow, can you imagine? I mean, obviously if that injury doesn't happen, this is a completely different story, both of those injuries. Mm-hmm. And now now the, the Warriors kind of have to play a little game of chess here to try to figure out the best way to handle it. And uh, I don't envy... Uh, their situation but let's talk about the team that won the finals so obviously Kawhi's been the other big story Uh, there he's been linked to the Clippers quite a bit Um, and now it's it's been uh, reported today that he's going to listen to the Raptors and allow them to make their final pitch to keep him there and try to win another championship so it really sounds like it's going to come down to Raptors Clippers for Kawhi if he does go to the Clippers uh, there's been talks of some other stars potentially wanting to join him like Jimmy Butler and some others Uh, do you think Kawhi I mean I know it's it's tough to speculate because it's probably about a 50 50 at this point Uh, but where does your what is your kind of gut telling you with Kawhi here well, it's 50-50 between those two teams, but I would say overall it's probably like 40-40-20 because the Lakers are lingering, and this is a scary thought in my mind. that Kawhi Leonard is going to take a meeting with the Lakers, and the Lakers, with a trade today with the Wizards, are able to clear the space they trade Mo Wagner and Bonia, and now they have room for a max guy. And while they would only have basically three players and nothing else, you know, if they end up tying up with Leonard – uh, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis, that you could pretty much surround them with Ari and Mural team and they would have a decent chance at winning. So, um, you know, it's, it's well, you hitting threes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but you no, know, like they're going to take a meeting and, and they have the max number out there for Kawhi. So, um, you know, the Raptors can give him the most, but man, that is, can you imagine if that happens, that would be wild. And, uh, you know, they're, they're out there, they're on the horizon. I don't see it. I just don't see Kawhi going I and taking not. a third third back seat after he just led a team to the finals basically himself. I think he wants to be the guy wherever he is. And that I could agree. be that could be that could be done in, in LA with the Clippers or staying in Toronto. And I think Toronto has a you know, a great chance to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh Marcus uh did exercise his player option. 25.6 million. He's going to return Ooh. to the Raptors. I know that's a big price to pay for a guy who kind of disappeared at times in the playoffs, but he was an integral piece at times as well. So the Raptors still, you know, in the running, obviously, uh, but there's some big names outside of these two teams who played in the championship. You think about the Rockets. Uh, they're looking to shop Clint Capella and Eric Gordon to clear space to bring in a max guy like a Jimmy Butler. It's been rumored that they have 
uh, significant interest in Butler to come and play alongside James Harden and Chris Paul. First of all, what do you think of this fit? And what do you think the Rockets are thinking big picture going forward? I mean, they still want to be a contender, obviously, but do you think Jimmy Butler minus Clint Capella and Eric Gordon give them a chance to, a chance to win a title? Uh, yeah, he, they definitely do. I, I do think that, you know, they're, they're the favorites uh, in Vegas and in, in most books. The Rockets are to end up with Jimmy Butler, which is insane to me because if I'm the Sixers, you know, this, this does not happen without the Sixers executing a sign and trade. And, why would the Sixers help facilitate that? I mean, I guess if, if Jimmy tells them, listen, I'm gone, and if you if you don't trade me, you're getting nothing for me, and Little Smock agrees, I just don't think that that's, that's a likely scenario. So to me, that, that just seems really unlikely. But, I, I mean, they're trying. Daryl Morey's trying. Um, you know, he's trying like hell. He'd know he would love to get out from under the Chris Paul contract. That's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be fascinating. I don't see that ending up happening. And really, if you're the Rockets, you look around and if Kevin Durant does leave and even if he doesn't, the Warriors don't have him. I mean, they can win the West next year really easily with the same team. I feel like, you know, this is kind of a desperate attempt. But even if they don't end up having the unlikely happen, they're still in pretty good shape next year in my mind. All right, let's switch back over to the East. The Celtics kind of been the Rockets of the East for the last year or so. Obviously, Kyrie Irving is rumored to leave, potentially ending up in Brooklyn. That's the big story. Uh, but it sounds like the Celtics are the front runners now to land Kemba Walker after the talks have stalled with the Charlotte Hornets, which everybody expected the Hornets to give Kemba that supermax and him to take it. And it sounds like that conversation may have shifted to Kemba now potentially leaving Charlotte and being on a contender like the Celtics. First of all, what do you think of that fit if he does end up in Boston? They could potentially be losing Kyrie Irving, and it sounds like even Al, Hor- Al Horford as well. Uh, but Kemba could be a nice fill-in for a guy like Kyrie who hasn't had the injury issues that Kyrie's had. You know, he's been an all-star here and there, uh, and he's a guy that can score with the best of them. What do you think of Kemba in Boston? Oh, man. I mean, I'll defer to you on Kemba a little bit after this, because I know that you've been you've pretty much convinced me on how good he is. But is it crazy to say he's a better fit in Boston than Kyrie? Oh, 100%. And not not just from a playing perspective, or I mean, especially from a play from a you know culture perspective. And this is, remember, a UConn hero led that team to the national title local guy. I mean, when was from New York, but I mean, from the area, generally speaking, and and. Like, I love him with Brad Stevens and in that offense and, you know, with much more of a, you know, the ball bounces around a lot more. It doesn't die with Kyrie and you don't have the poison, as we've called him so many times of Kyrie Irving. I just feel like that would be such a huge upgrade. Um, Even losing Horford, you know, you figure they'll find a way to replace Horford. And, you know, my only concern with Kemba is that he's 29 going on 30. And, you know, at the end of that contract, if he's getting paid, you know, 36, 37 million at 33, 34 years old as a point guard, I think that's tough, but you still figure his skills seem like you said, he's, he's been durable and I feel like he's going to be a good player throughout the duration of that deal. So I'm interested to hear your perspective on it, but I think it's an amazing fit for Boston. Yeah. I mean, what is he a year older than Kyrie? I think a year, maybe two. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's much difference when you think about the durability issues that Kyrie's had. I mean, he's been injured pretty much every season in his career, at, at least mm-hmm. dur- at some point during the season. He's been one of the least durable players in the NBA. And then you and think he's about, a psychopath. 
That too. I mean, he's ruined. He he, he had you had the issues in Cleveland. You know, he he wants to get out and, and have his own team, and then he goes to Boston and pretty much rips that team apart from the inside. And Kemba's the Kemba's been the exact opposite. He's been a guy who's played in a smaller market like Charlotte. He he doesn't make a lot of noise. He's active in in the community and think you know the things that you want to see off of the court. And he's just mm-hmm. been content to be the guy in Charlotte for a long time. So I think that you're just getting a different personality with Kemba and I think you're getting as good if not better of a player than Kyrie Irving. Kyrie's probably got a little bit more flash but I think Kemba's got a little bit more consistencies, a consistency and I don't think you're going to see him disappear in big moments like you've seen Kyrie. Don't get me wrong we all I, as a Cavs fan I remember the shot that Kyrie hit in the finals that pretty much sealed the deal for them in 2016 I remember a lot of moments for Kyrie he was my favorite player when he played for the Cavs but when you mm-hmm. think about the off the court antics you know the, the, the cancer that he's been for teams and, and you know, just the opposite that Kemba's been, I would take the extra year older, especially, you know, for a guy who's, who's had that, that level of durability and, and, you know, has had been so quiet off the court. So I think it's a great move, you know, as somebody who actively roots against the Celtics, I was happy to see them lose Kyrie and Al Horford, but I can't think of a better basketball move for them to sign Kemba Walker. who has been one of the most sought after free agents, especially at the point guard position in this off season. And to think that he would go there as opposed to the LA Lakers, who we're going to get to in a minute. It, it, it's very interesting to me. This kind of came out of nowhere. And, and to see this, them become the front runners now is, is, uh, is very interesting for sure. It, it is. I, it was not something I don't want to say. I didn't expect it. I, I mean, the Celtics fit. I didn't expect. I just, I, the whole time we've talked about Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker clearly to me is the best consolation prize. And really, when you look back at this year, this offseason, this free agency, and you think of all those guys, the only one that's really been consistent year in and year out, I mean, aside from Durant, but even including Durant, is Kemba Walker because every one of those other guys has gotten hurt now. And I mean, that's that's some, there's something to be said about how high that floor is with Kemba Walker and you know, when you go to a team that has Tatum, has, you know, Gordon Hayward coming off an injury, a full offseason, a second full offseason removed from that ACL. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said about what they've got and a great coach in Brad Stevens. I just love that bit. And I think they would be a big time dark horse in the East, a team that no one's talking about when you think of all the stars on the Sixers and Bucks. So, um, you know, I, I love that. that even, bit. even without Al Horford, do you think they're a contender with just adding uh, Kemba? I mean, I think that there's no way that's all they do. Like they'll they'll find another piece if it's not Horford. I you know you lose the Horford, you know obviously all the stuff that he brings to the table, leadership, but also the production. But you know he's also older. Like again, I, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, I think, but he was in Joaquin Noah's class. Think of how old we think of as of Joaquin Noah being, right? Like he he just seems like he's been gone from the league for three or four years now, and and. Horford's about to get four years and like 110 million. So, um, you know, from that perspective, maybe you miss him for a year. But I think overall, adding Kemba is is a huge win for them. And you know, whoever they fit in in the low post along with him is, I, I still think that they've got a shot at winning this thing, this conference. Yeah, they also traded away Aaron Baines to um, the Phoenix Suns mm. here in recent days. Not that he was a huge part of, of that team, but that uh, does open up a little bit of cap space for them as well. Uh, the Lakers, who we said we would get to, let's talk about their situation. Obviously, they traded for Anthony Davis. They made a move here uh, today that uh, they, they trade three players. Uh, the, the highlight of that was Mo Wagner to the Washington Wizards, which will free up enough cap space for them, as you alluded to with Kawhi, to sign an additional max 
free agent, uh, which they're going to need. I mean, obviously, Anthony Davis and LeBron with Kyle Kuzma is a great core, but, you know, whether it's D'Angelo Russell, who's been rumored to potentially be going back to the Lakers after they ship him to Brooklyn, whether Kawhi, you know, takes a leap of faith and, and ends up going that route instead of being in L.A. with the Clippers or staying in Toronto, uh, it sounds like the Lakers, you know, are, are definitely in win-now mode if if, uh, if they can get another Max guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, for can't. sure. Even if they can't. So I was going to ask you, would you rather take that money? I mean, they obviously cleared it to go after a Max guy, but would you rather take that money and use it on one guy and basically surround the rest of the team with min- literally minimum salary players? Or would you rather, you know, take that money, sign either Russell or – say, like, Redick and, you know, Patrick Beverly or someone like that, basically two kind of mid-level guys and, and you know, be able to fill out your roster more capably? Or would you go after that one guy or, you know, assuming Kawhi – all right, forget Kawhi. Say it's Kyrie, for example. Would you rather have the set of players or just the one guy? I don't know. It depends on the max guy. So if it's Kawhi, I'd – Definitely take Kawhi. If it's Jimmy Butler or Kyrie or D'Angelo Russell, mm-hmm. I would almost rather mm-hmm. sign two guys that I could maybe get for a little bit less than a max. Like I, I don't hate Tobias Harris at you know slightly yeah. less than a max offer. I think that he's you know somebody that's going to be talked about as potentially getting a max offer this offseason. I don't think he's worth it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so Me if either. you can get a guy like that to to come in and be the number three or number four guy, even potentially behind Kyle Kuzma. That's interesting to me, Ooh. and then maybe use you know use that extra money to to round out your roster because when you look at the Lakers roster right now, they traded pretty much everybody uh, besides Kyle Kuzma to get Anthony Davis. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, they're they're in a rough spot for sure. I, I just don't know how they're going to be able to put it all together. I don't have Kuzma as high as you do, but I think that what they have certainly is going to be because of the star power is going to be way up there. But I kind of feel like. I agree with you on whether it's Kyrie or basically anyone but Kawhi. I don't think I'd go after it. I mean, obviously, if Clay Thompson were to go there, that's a different story. But anyone below that, I'm I'm rather leaning towards the shooters and the rebounders and the passers and, and just, you know, the facilitators and then try that. I mean, but I will say if Kemba Walker was one of those options, I would still go max on Walker as well. Yeah, so, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's man, it's going to be fascinating for sure. Yeah, I mean, the Eastern Conference is looking like they could really end up the losers here. And the Celtics, to your point, I mean, if Toronto if Toronto loses Kawhi, the Bucks mm-hmm. pretty much stay as is. and then Well, they lose Brogdon. You take Brogdon off that team. They could potentially keep Brogdon, though. Didn't they, didn't they uh, sign him to a restricted free agent contract? Yeah, he's a restricted free agent, but allegedly there's there are teams out there, specifically the Stupid Bulls, that are looking to – throw a bunch of money at him and, and basically make it hurt for the Bucks. They can match any offer because they retain his bird rights, but you know, they're going to max out Chris Middleton, which is another story. I think that's an, an undercard to this whole thing because while it doesn't impact next season too much, as far as a big difference, signing Chris Middleton to a five year maximum contract deal is, you know, that feels like a little too much for Middleton, doesn't it? Like that's what you get a second best player in the champion. I don't know that Middleton is ever that guy. So in my mind, maybe they, they still drift into the luxury tax, but then they, they decide, look, we can't go too far in. We decide not to match on Brogdon. And then a team like the Bulls or Suns or Kings, maybe not the Kings, but Bulls or Suns or even the Pacers jumps in and gives the mayor, as they call him, a huge, you know, $80 million deal over three or four years. And I don't know that the Bucks have the appetite to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. If they lose Brogdon, that's significant. And then you have mm-hmm. Philadelphia, who could be the huge losers this offseason. If they lose Jimmy right. Butler and Tobias Harris, and they're stuck with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they, I mean, they could oh, be a done. middling 5-6 seed in the East in, in a weaker East, even. Redick is a free agent, too. Now, I'm sure if they were to lose two of those guys, they would bring back Redick. But, you know, and then you also have Brooke Lopez as a free agent, too, for the Bucs. There, there are, to your point, there the East could either look way, you know, a lot different. There are a lot of different avenues for how the East could look, but you know that could jump the Celtics right back into that conversation. And you know, depending on where Horford goes, there's there's just there's opportunity out there out East. And you know, if look, if the Nets end up signing Durant, Kyrie, and say they end up with, I don't know, I, Tobias Harris, something like that. I don't know if they can fit all three of those. They probably can't, but. Say it's just Kyrie and Tobias. I mean, you add that to – you're probably losing Russell in that scenario, but you add that to Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, who was absolutely awesome late in the season um, or midway through the season. I, I mean, that is a really quality, you know, potentially dark horse team out east. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of different ways things can go, and you would expect some of these deals to get done pretty quickly. I'm sure a lot of them are done already. We just don't know about it yet. So sure. yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how things shake out and you know you mentioned the doors could open a little bit more widely in the east which makes room for our Cavs and Bulls who just got done with the NBA draft which we're going to shift oh, to right. now. We want to talk a little bit about it. Obviously, we did a lot of talking about what was a speculation last week especially on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. Let's talk about what actually happened now and uh, why don't we start with your Bulls? They took exactly who you wanted them to with Kobe White out of North Carolina with the number seven <laughs> overall pick. Uh, but uh, all jokes aside, how do you think he fits in? I mean, they needed a point guard. I know everybody's a little bit lower on Chris Dunn. He's had some injury issues. He hasn't looked great. Kobe White comes in. He's an up-and-down-the-court guy. He's a speedster. He's a guy that likes to score. Uh, what do you think of Kobe White? He was the first, He did break Jordan's high school record. Am I, am I wrong? Uh, freshman North Carolina. North Carolina record, yeah, yeah. Um, I hate him, obviously. So that's that's out there. Um, I I you knew like they hair, were going to yeah, everything but his hair. I I really hate, but his hair I just love. No, it's look. He's he's fine. He's fast. He's whatever. He's not. A, he's a terrible defender, and he really you know isn't a point guard. I mean, he's a combo guard that's going to be masquerading as a point guard off the bench for them this year, and especially if they end up throwing a bunch of money at Malcolm Brogdon. You know, it just doesn't make any sense, as, as has been reported, that they would do both those things. The Bulls continue to just have absolutely no direction. I absolutely hate this stupid organization with an undying passion. They, like, this this free agency is so strong at point guard. If you think of Brogdon and Rubio, Beverly, Kyrie, D'Angelo Russell even, you could say, as a combo guard leading towards point. I just don't get it. I don't understand why you would spend that pick on Kobe White. And, you know, there were other pieces you could have traded up, you know, for a marginal amount and gotten Jared Culver. You could have drafted even Cam Reddish, for the love of God, just get some shooters on this team. And, and instead they go in the direction of a combo guard who's not a point guard. I obviously am not happy about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Bulls remain the Bulls is basically my maintenance here. Any thoughts on Daniel Gifford from Arkansas in the second round? I actually Sorry. like Gafford. Yeah, Gafford was came into this year as kind of like a top fifteen ish type. He got a little banged up. Um, I like him. I think that he's he's a talented player that's in the wrong era. But like PJ Washington, he makes a huge difference uh, when he's on the court for a team, and and he 
actually showed some decent shooting chops for a big man, but you know, like who cares? The Bulls suck. So whatever. It's dumb. <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple names that the Bulls have been rumored to be tied to in free agency. And I want to hear your thoughts. And if, you, if any of these three guys might be guys that you would like to see them go after first one's Julius Randall. He's going to test the free agent market after, uh, you know, his uh, short term deal in new Orleans with the Pelicans. Uh, the second one is Patrick Beverly, who obviously had a great uh, series against um, Golden State in that first Golden round State. where they were able to get two, two wins, and he was frustrating Kevin Durant quite a bit. And then you alluded to this one earlier, Malcolm Brogdon. I know that you said they could potentially throw a lot of money at, at him as well. Uh, of those three guys, which one would you like to see the most, and which one do you think is the most likely to go to the Bulls? Um, I think that Julius Randle is that I think that's a complete them using the bulls because like, he just doesn't fit on the roster. I like him the most for what he's going to get paid. He got, he scored something like 22, 24 points a game last year after Anthony Davis went out. And I mean, it's just, you know, he's he, or I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he just, he's a good scorer. He's, his game has developed quite a bit from what it was at the beginning of his career. And, um, you know, his shot especially has really evolved. He's not a great defender, but, you know, he's basically the exact same as the, the strength of this roster, if there is one, which is with Markinen and, and Wendell Carter so um, and Otto Porter. I mean, it, there's just not really much room to throw 20-plus million at Julius Randle. I think they're using him, uh, using the Bulls, that is. And um, I love, you know, Malcolm Brogdon. I like the player a lot, but he just seems like he should be running the show for a team that's an actual contender. He'd be a great fit on the Bulls if they didn't draft Kobe White, and, you know, he would be – I think the type of leader that they should have, I love the idea of Ricky Rubio, who's basically like an older version of Malcolm Brogdon. Um, at the end of the day, they, I, I'd be surprised if they went that direction too. Um, but Patrick Beverly, I think, is a perfect fit for them. I think that he – I actually love him with Chris Dunn. I would have loved to have him sort of develop Dunn because I think Dunn is kind of like a poor man's Beverly in some ways, like a young Patrick Beverly where he could have, you know, a bulldog mentality and – you know, Beverly's never been a great shooter. You, he, he, he could find a way to show Chris Dunn how to, you know, carve out a niche in this league. And I think that would have been a really fun ad. But um, again, with those two guys, I, I just don't know, you know, and, and it sounds like a lot of teams want Beverly. It sounds like the Lakers, if they don't get a max guy, will target Beverly. And um, again, I think the Bulls might get used on him as well. So that's my favorite and the likeliest in my mind. But you know, it's the Bulls, so they'll probably sign, like, another tweener 3-4 to way too much money. <laughs> All right, got to hear your, th- your thoughts on the Cavs draft. He, yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear your thoughts, and then I'll give mine on the Cavs draft. So, obviously, they come in. They have the number five pick. They had an op- opportunity to take my guy, Jarrett Culver. They went with Darius Garland. A lot of people thought Darius Garland would go at four, or potentially uh, he ends up being there at five, and the Cavs end up taking him. They did go to that uh, – individual workout and apparently liked what they saw after Garland missed most of last year for Vanderbilt. Uh, They end up taking with the 26th pick Dylan Windler. I had an opportunity to get my other guy, Fiondu Cabangale out of Florida State. Both Culver and Cabangale go the pick after the Cavs pick. Uh, So I got to hear what you think about Windler, but then they they make uh, another move. They trade I think it was four second round picks to move up to number 30 and they take Kevin Porter jr. Who we we talked about the guy as his talent was good enough to be a lottery pick, but there were some off the court issues. His uh, you know, just his desire to play the game was questioned at times. So those are their three picks. They take three in the first round on you. What do you think of what the Cavs were able to do in this draft? I overall think that it was good. It was up and down a little bit. I think you would agree with that, but I, I loved 
I think, unlike you at first at least, I really like Darius Garland. I don't really mind that they have Colin Sexton, even though I think of him as a point guard. You know, you could definitely squint and see them both in the backcourt together. And I just, I think this kind of boils down to the opposite of the Bulls in my mind, where I just totally trust John Beeline. I, I really, really do. And I think that Darius Garland, he was my favorite fit for the Bulls because of his three-point shots, because he's a total alpha with the ball. And I, I mean, it's just going to depend on those two's chemistry, Sexton and Garland, and, th- and their chemistry with John Beeline, their trust in John Beeline, because, you know, this guy absolutely can shoot. He is an absolute, he's a trucker almost, but he can hit at a high rate given his volume. And I know that's a small sample, but even if you look back at college, that's kind of been his thing forever. So I love, I love Darius Garland. And while the fit isn't super neat, I, I do, th- I just trust him. And so like, I defer to those guys. And, and I think that he's going to be a great fit there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that. And as much as I love that, I didn't really like the Dylan Windler pick. I thought that they could have gone a lot of different directions, including the guy that they ended up at 30. But from a, an analytics perspective, this guy is like a dream. I, I know that he's older. Um, you know, he's obviously not the most athletic player, but I just, he's going to be able to hit shots. He's going to be in the league for a long time. And if you can get that kind of player at 26, I think that you just do it close your eyes, figure it out later. And I mean, he's, he's going to be on that team. He's a great shooter, um, played really well in a tough, you know, against some, not a tough conference, but they had a lot, a pretty tough schedule there at Belmont. And, um, you know, I just, he, he's been a star there for a couple of years now. He's been in the tournament. He's been in big games. His street throw percentage is 85%, which is great for a big man. It portends well to his three point percentage at the NBA level. So, you know, I, I don't, yeah, he's not super flashy. He's probably never going to be a, a really, really good player, but he's going to be solid. I think his floor is super high, which is good. And the opposite can be said about Kevin Porter, in my mind. I mean, he's he shot well from three, even though his free throw percentage was awful, which scares me. But his athleticism was so good. And, you know, early in the year, I really thought he would take a run at being in the top 10 because of the type of player he was, but then obviously gets suspended um, still really young. I, I mean, I, they must have seen something in this guy to move for four seconds um, to take the shot on him. So, uh, you know, again, you just kind of trust a pretty good front office and a really good coach in my mind. You what, think, were your, what were your thoughts? Real quick, do you think Dylan Windler should be sending his first game check to Ja Morant? I mean, I don't think <laughs> I don't think this conference, the OVC, is on the map if not for Ja this year. And I think Dylan Windler reaps the benefits of that in some ways. Uh, yeah, he definitely should, but not that John Morant needs it, considering I think he's the highest paid player on the Memphis Grizzlies right now. So, um, but no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, like, I, I still think though that he's going to be a, a solid player. He has good size. He has again, really good shooter and probably a little bit of an underrated athlete, although he's, that's not how he's going to win at the next level. But you know, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, there's a place for players like that. It's just, I feel like if Porter and Windler were switched, it'd be a very, it'd be a different story, wouldn't it, from your yeah. perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anything about Dylan Windler coming into this other than what I've watched and, you know, read about him. And, you know, he's a productive player. He averaged 21 points and 11 boards. He shot 67% from inside the arc and 41% from behind the arc. And he's six foot eight, about 200 pounds, very, relatively athletic, like you said. Um, but, you know, that's in the OVC. Most of the games that he played were against mediocre, if at best, talent. Mm-hmm. So I just – I don't know how he's going to translate. I hope that, that the shooting is at least what will translate because, like you said, that could make him, you know, a Kyle Korver-esque type of a player, maybe a slightly more athletic Ooh. version of that. Uh, I don't know yeah. that he's quite the shooter that Kyle – I mean, nobody really is. But if he can, if mm-hmm. he can kind of shoot at that 40% three-point range type of uh, – 
type of production, he could be good. But he wasn't what I was expecting them to take at 26. You know, Gar- Garland, I just I haven't seen enough of. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of comparisons to Damian Lillard. Uh, you know, if we can get someone half as good as Damian, Damian Lillard early on, I would love that. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've heard he, you know, likes to take a lot of shots. Didn't really get a chance to watch him at Vanderbilt because I think he only played in four games. Uh, but he was one mm-hmm. of the highest recruited players in the country going into last year. So, you know, I'm hoping that, that uh, the injury issues are behind him and that his game can translate at the next level. I mean, obviously that's kind of the direction the league's gone in, right? That the point guard positions become more of a scoring point guard type of league. You and I have talked about that for a couple seasons now. And he fits really well into this NBA that we're in right now. And the two point guard thing or the two guard thing it has worked. When you think about you know Portland and you know the the the, the Warriors have done it. You, you having that that really strong backcourt is uh, something that you would want in the NBA. So I'm hoping that it translates. Uh, and then I think with Kevin Porter Jr. You know I think that just the fact that they were willing to move up and take a guy who has you know. A, a solid amount of talent. I think he could have gone in the top 20 and nobody would have batted an eye. Uh, but then there's teams that just would have passed on him regardless of how far he fell. So, you know, you worry about mm-hmm. the character issues. He wasn't a high scorer at USC, but I think he's a guy that given the, given an opportunity, he should be able to, you know, take his talent and, and uh, give himself the ability to translate that to the next level. And with a, the 30th overall pick and the Cavs having, you know, 10 second rounders over the next few seasons, four second-round picks isn't really a big, uh, in my opinion, a big uh, thing to give away to get somebody like this in the first round. Right, and because they drafted him in the first round, they're going to have the option to keep him an extra year, and then they'll have his bird ride. So if he does realize that enormous potential that he definitely has, I mean, that that's a really solid pickup. At number 30, I mean, it's just, you know, when you have that much athleticism, your floor is automatically raised, even if you are an erratic player and a little bit of a head case. Like, I mean... We saw what he could do at USC at times. And, you know, he it's just so funny that they drafted him and Lindler because they're they're on such opposite ends of the draft spectrum. When you think of like, I think a comp I saw for uh, for Kevin Porter was Deshaun Stevenson. I mean, you think of like the talent that Deshaun Stevenson had. I mean, he was he was a complete nut job. But like when he was playing well, I mean, this is an all star caliber player. And that's not those. They're just only so few of those guys in the NBA. So. Um, you know, I I think that overall the Cavs did very well. I would have rather, much rather, had their draft on the Bulls. So kudos to you, my friend. And, and I mean, again, I think this whole draft it doesn't even matter really what those last two guys are because if if Sexton and Garland can't coexist, it's it's not a good draft. And if they can, then it's an A plus plus. Yeah, and I think Kevin Porter is the wild card here. You know, he's the most raw of these three, and you know, he's obviously a guy that has you know the I would say the the lowest floor, uh, but mm-hmm. probably the highest upside when you think about it between these three. So I'm interested to see mm-hmm. what he ends up translating to. I'm I'm gonna watch him in summer league for sure. I'm I'm anxious to see how he how he does. But uh, yeah. So any other surprises or anything that uh, you know struck you in this draft? I think there were some you know some, like Chumo Kiki going at 16 to the yeah. Magic. I think that was a big surprise that he went that early, and then Bull Bull going all the way. I think it was like the 45th pick to uh, was it Denver. Um, mm-hmm. he, he dropped so far. So anything that, that surprised you other than the obvious ones? I mean, Nasir Little going to Portland at 24 is, is wild to me. And I mean, Portland is very quietly accumulating a lot of assets. Like if you think of their last few drafts, you have Zach Collins has barely even played. You still have Nurkic coming back. Got these two guys. They make a trade. Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore. Who I think Bazemore is a very nice underrated piece to that team. They've got those two guys and it's crazy 
what one year a, di- a difference makes. And I mean, you know, from the Nuggets perspective, like you said, Bull Bull, they have Michael Porter Jr., who they just love. Apparently, he's been just killing it. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, those two teams are major dark horses in a Western Conference that we talked about, maybe somewhat loaded, but it's spread out in terms of the talent. So, um, you know, those are two teams to watch. And, and I just, you add Nasir Little to what they have, man, that's, uh, it's, it's, that's going to be really fun. So those are, those are some interesting ones. And I, I also just, the New Orleans Pelicans are, are a real squad here. They add, you know, Brandon Clark and Zion and, you know, the, all those players from the Lakers and, you know, they could be a dark horse here for Al Horford. That's my thought. I think that Al Horford would be a great fit on that team to help bring them along and suddenly, you know, Drew Holiday, that's, you know, that's definitely a playoff team in the West, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you would think if, if they can, you know, if they can develop these young guys. I mean, Brandon Clark's kind of a wild card. I I know he had a very productive college career, but I just don't know if he's going to translate to this next level. I think it's a good piece mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think they had some nice pieces. I, I love, you know, I love Drew Holiday, and obviously Zion's going to be a star early. So yeah, I think yep. they could, they should be a playoff team, but I think it's it's with a young roster like they're going to have, I think it's a little too early to call them that, especially in such a tough Western Conference. But I, I could see yep. it. I wouldn't be surprised. Yep, I agree. What's your, who's who's your rookie of the year if it's not Zion? Ooh, if you think of this, you got Ja on the Grizzlies. You've got DeAndre Hunter probably going to start right away on an interesting Hawks team. What about Kobe? You know. What? No, I'm just. <laughs> Oh God! I think I, I like I like RJ Barrett because I think he's going to get the most yep. run. But I think John Morant is going to be the most flashy. So I think with John Morant's assist, because I think he's the best passer in this in this draft, best pure passer in this draft. Uh, I think he's going to put up big assist numbers, and I think he'll score enough. But you know, there's been a lot of comparisons with um, uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, who mm. had a great rookie campaign. I could see John Morant having a similar stat line and. You know, I just I don't know that that anybody's going to put up the numbers Zion's going to put up as well-rounded stat sheet. But if you're if you're asking for somebody other than him, I'm I'm going to say John Morant with a close second at being RJ Barrett. Ooh, I like I that. Know that's I was tough because go... they're two and three, but I, I really do think that that that's like the line after the number three player in this draft is there's a significant drop off in my opinion. Yep, I totally agree. I was going to go Barrett if it's not Zion, which I think Zion's got to be the runaway favorite, obviously. But I mean, I think RJ Barrett is going to have. Now that we look at what's happening, and by the way, the Knicks traded Porzingis for basically cap space, and it looks like they may end up empty-handed, which is just hilarious to me because they're so poorly run. But, you know, at the end of the day, if, if that does happen, R.J. Barrett is going to have the license to shoot all day, every day, and that's, you know, he wants to do that. So um, I, I actually really like R.J. Barrett with the odds. I think that that's a, a decent option. I agree that John Morant wants to pass. is going to be able to rack up those numbers, but I would worry – Who's going to score for them? I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. is there, but, you know, he's not really a big-time scorer, so I'm just not sure where he's getting the assist from. I think that R.J. Barrett's going to have the chance, the volume, to be a huge uh, statistical output guy for the Knicks this year. Yeah, Memphis is going to be – I mean, they could potentially be the worst team in the league next year. I mean, look, I'm oh, looking yeah. at their roster right now. Avery Bradley, oh, I mean, so he, he, he had a couple big games last year, but most of the time disappeared. Javon Carter's on that roster. They traded for Jake Oh, Crowder. yeah. You know, Jay Crowder could score. Justin Holiday will score. Kyle Korver ends up on there. Uh, they, they just have the most uh, weird, crazy, weird roster. That's a that's um, a terrible team. Yeah, it's going to be bad for them. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll – we'll, <laughs> We'll talk more as these guys develop. We'll, we'll talk a little summer league. I know there's some big names in it, so it'll probably have a little bit more light on it than it has in years past. 
but mm-hmm. let's get to, oh, by the way, I thought this was going to be 1520. We're, we're at a 40-minute episode, aren't you? Uh, so wow. we went a little long, but give me something quick. That's what happens when we talk NBA or NFL, Josh. But I'll True. just go with the All-Star game. The MLB All-Star game starters right now. So unfortunately, no Chicago White Sox, Josh, on in the starting lineups, unfortunately. Wow. Uh, a couple Cubs, a bunch of Astros. Yeah, it's going to be early. That's... Uh, they didn't announce the pitcher yet. That, oh, that's okay. the end. But, yeah, Gary Sanchez gets the nod, and, um, you know, Jorge Polanco gets it over Tim Anderson at shortstop. So tough day for us, but uh, I think we'll make it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. All right, I've got a quick one, too. Uh, LeBron James just so graciously uh, was giving – Oh, my God. His, I couldn't wait to hear your opinion on this. He goes ahead and gives uh, Anthony <laughs> Davis his number 23. God. He also uh, alluded on Instagram that he could potentially be bringing the chalk back that he so infamously throws up before every game earlier on in his career, and he might go back to the number six that he wore in Miami. So – you know, LeBron, in bringing in Anthony Davis and free agency looming so close on the horizon, LeBron did everything he possibly could to make it about him once again. And now everybody's <laughs> talking about how gracious it is of him to be able to give Anthony Davis the number 23, gift it to him, not only. So, wow. I mean, I just thought that what was a such guy. a – I mean, wow. If he's not man of the – he should be the Walter Payton man of the year in the NFL <laughs> even though he doesn't play in the NFL. God, that just nauseated me. I saw uh... – this made me dislike maybe my favorite player in the league too. It was the Space Jam to uh, you know like scene or whatever, and they're showing Clay Thompson in his crutches, like, high fiving and dabbing LeBron, and I'm like, God, this is just the worst. Get LeBron out of my sight right now, honestly. Like you got Anthony Davis, just move on. We don't need to see. It's not all about you right now. Well, it kind of is because there's a lot of talk about the, the the set of Space Jam 2 as well, and Draymond Green's in it I just read today, so that's going to be something that oh, I will wow. definitely not be watching. Not that I would have anyway. It's going to be absolutely awful. Space Jam 1 so forever. Bad, oh, Space Jam 1 is incredible. Extremely not rewatchable, but incredible. Yeah, the, the soundtrack's re-listenable though, so that, that says something. <laughs> True. Right, True. We're we're uh, we're getting a little loopy here, so we're gonna call it on yeah. Chicana, Josh Dunn. We're the leftovers. We'll see you guys next week.